one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This episode of the Self Love Club is brought to you by Casey. Try Casey's new Exceed Microneedling Treatment for glowing, healthier-looking skin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast dedicated to chatting about stuff that matters, real talk and lols. I'm your host, Belle Crawford. Thank you so much for joining me. On the show, we're joined by actress Rebecca Randall. Rebecca is so bubbly and such a go-getter. We find out how Rebecca made her way from a sleepy beachside town to starring on New Zealand's leading drama Shortland Street five nights a week. Rebecca's hustle and also positive mindset is inspiring and we can learn a lot from this conversation. Before we get into it, can you pretty please make sure you hit subscribe on your go-to podcast app, hit follow on Spotify and Apple, we're on all of them. Also, leave us a five-star rating and write us a glowing review. It helps others find this independent podcast and you can keep up with all of our content, spicy memes, funny TikToks, cute self-love messages, videos of interviews, self-love club podcast on Instagram. Right, let's get into our chat with Rebecca. Rebecca, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for coming to have a chat. And it's so cool in-person chatting as well. I do so many of my chats online nowadays, so really cool to see you. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm definitely a visual communicator, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I quite like being in person with people rather than doing everything over Zoom and yeah. a computer screen. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, tell us a bit about yourself for those who don't know and what you do. My name is Rebecca Randall, and I'm probably more commonly known as Dawn Robinson on <laughs> Shortland Street. So I play the bubbly, little bit ditzy, but very full of heart nurse um, on the show who gets herself into a little bit of trouble, wears her heart on her sleeve. And and it's pretty, pretty fun all round. So yeah, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Yeah, um, we'll go through everything soon. But take us back. Where did you grow up? And when you were growing up, did you know what you wanted to do? Yeah. So um, I actually grew up in a little coastal town on the Coromandel called Fongamata. Um, lived there my whole life. My parents are dairy farmers, so grew up on a farm there. And then I moved to the big city when I was 18. I packed up my Suzuki Swift um, in a bid to pursue acting. I think I was about seven years old when I told my mum for the first time that when I grow up, I wanted to be an actor. I just feel super lucky that both mum and dad were so supportive of that dream and always sort of pushed me to pursue it. Mm. So, yeah, I knew from a pretty early age this is what I wanted to be doing. And I kind of still pinch myself every day that I get to do it as a full-time job. Yeah, that's so cool. So did you, were there people you looked up to? Like, what were you doing? Were you pretending to do things in your bedroom, that sort of thing? Oh, my gosh. I did anything and everything. I was like the 
lip sync in front of the mirror, yeah. the dance in front of the Britney mirror. Britney Spears, one of Britney Spears, yeah. yeah, all the things. Took a lot of dance classes as well, but I've always looked up to Reese Witherspoon. I remember oh, watching I Legally her. Blonde as a teen <gasps> and being like, oh, I just want to be her when I grow up. So I'd tell teachers or go to interviews or anything and tell everyone I was going to win an Oscar and go to Hollywood. Oh. So <laughs> here I am on yeah. Shortland Street. <laughs> no, that's a huge achievement. So, yeah. So what, then what did you do from school? Did you study acting or what did you do? Yeah, so um, I went to South Seas Film and Television School, which was based over on the North Shore, and I did a one-year diploma in on-screen acting. And then I was so, so lucky. I actually got signed with my agency, Karen K Management, off the back of going to film school. But for me, the training didn't stop there. I also did Meisner Technique classes in the evenings with Michael Sassente, and then just used all the contacts I had and just built more contacts and auditioned and did free little short films and music videos on the weekend, any way to get yourself in front of the camera. And then what was your first like paid acting gig or gig you got? Kind of crazy, but my first audition out of film school, I actually got the role and it was a pretty awesome role, kind of like a lead in a New Zealand feature film called Ghost Bride. Don't watch that work. I mean, <laughs> I was so young and didn't no, really know what I was really doing. Impressive. But um, yeah. yeah, so I pretty much went out of film school and had my first role. We filmed that for, I think it was about two months and just learned so much. And again, like built so many contacts within the industry. It was, it was a really awesome, I guess, way to start my career. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And when did Shortland Street come along? Because it's something in New Zealand that I guess actors, it's like a pinnacle. Mm-hmm. It's one of the top rating shows and it has been for such a long time. Yeah. So as I say, I got my first role and then I hustled hard. I went to all the auditions and got a lot of no's, as you do. So it was about five years out of film school that the role of Dawn Robinson came up and I auditioned and ended up landing it. But to be honest, that was about my third audition for Shortland Street. Mm. I didn't just go in one audition and get the yeah. role. I Yeah. I think people don't realise that when it comes to so many things these days, you know, they're seeing people do really cool things and I guess with social media, it's really awesome seeing people do so well. But, you know, especially in an industry like acting, there's so much rejection and so many no's before you get that one yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that pivotal yes that really launches your career because there can be all those little odd roles here and there, but no one really knows about it. No one really sees it. And as far as working full-time as an actor in New Zealand, unless you're on Shortland Street, you are doing all those little roles here and there and always auditioning and always hustling. So Mm. it is nice to sit back and kind of enjoy being in a steady role and really enjoying one character for a length of time. What was or what has the audition process been like in lots of different situations? Like you say, you must have to get quite a thick skin because you're getting so many no's and a lot of the time it's not anything against you. It's just they have an idea in their mind, right, of the yeah. what the person looks and sounds oh, like. Absolutely. And they could have cast your parents first, but you've got blue eyes and they've got brown eyes. It could mm. be something as tiny as that or you just might be the wrong energy for what they saw that role being. I guess I do have pretty thick skin. I remember my mum saying that to me once. I used to call her after every audition. She'd be like, how did it go? How did it go? Are you going to get this one? Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. And one day she said, she's like, how do you you do this you go to so many auditions and you get told no so many times but 
I think I was just really good at caring enough to do the prep work and enjoy the audition process and then not care because Mm. I knew I think I was really good at learning the reality and not taking it personally that it was a personal vendetta against me that I wasn't getting it Mm. I was I could logically think you know what it's just it's just not my time I'm just Mm. not the right person for this role and one day I will be the right person for the role and that's exactly how I felt when the brief for dawn came across my emails I read it and I was like this is me oh my god this is me you know she's a country girl I'm a country girl she's bubbly I'm bubbly she's blonde I'm blonde you know like all those little things I was like I actually think I could get this Mm. one I think this feels like the essence of me is there already yeah and did that audition feel different it did it did I remember not that was one of the few auditions I've been to where I couldn't forget about it I couldn't mm, stop thinking it about means it something yeah so did that audition and walked out and I just had this really good feeling so when my phone went off a week later and I got a call back I was like oh my gosh I did have a good feeling and yeah. it is happening so sometimes you know it's like a feeling of knowing that something's meant for you right yeah. I've often felt that did you sort of have that feeling I had that feeling from the very beginning mm. yeah and what is it like I mean people who don't know what's it like when you go into an audition what's that process and I guess the environment like is it quite tense are there other people waiting to be auditioned as well yeah it can be really awful and really tense and don't forget there's that level of care so you are nervous at Mm. the same time no matter how calm and cool and collected you think you are you are actually nervous I I do this thing and it sounds like one of those like weird wanky actor things but I call it making friends with the furniture so you go in and you're like okay it's just a chair Mm. that's just a table it's just a room. It's just got four walls like every other room. So you kind of don't psych yourself out when you're sitting there. But it is a really weird, tense process. There's a lot of awkwardly sitting there while you're in a room full of blonde girls who look exactly the same as you. Mm. Um, and a lot of the times, like New Zealand is so small, a lot of the times you know those girls as well. Yeah. So you kind of have that like, oh, hi, great. You're going for the wrong too. <laughs> but you're all kind of there wanting to get it but in saying that the cool thing about the New Zealand industry is I really do feel like everyone is really happy for each other when they get a role or even if it's not a New Zealand role an international role we're all rooting for each other you know just getting your name out there we know how hard it is that's exactly it you know how hard it is this industry especially in New Zealand is so small Mm -hmm. there's not that many jobs oh absolutely and I've never really encountered any sort of like cattiness around getting roles or you know anything like that I do actually think this is a really cool place to be Mm. in a cool industry within New Zealand yeah and then what was it like being on Shortland Street I'm sure like a lot of us you probably grew up watching it all through your teen years you know watching it every night I actually funny you say that because I actually didn't really Really? watch Shortland Street so my husband Bevan I felt like knew more about Shortland Street than I did I obviously knew the essence of it like mm. had obviously seen a couple of episodes but I wasn't a religious yeah. watcher I still remember one of my first scenes and it had Paul Mungasiva who played Vinny and Kiri Lee Dewing who played Kylie yeah. um, Sally Martin who played Nicole and I remember just standing there and delivering my lines and under the table my legs were just shaking I was just so terrified and I just couldn't believe I was working with these incredible actors who've been on the show for so long yeah yeah it was absolutely surreal yeah it's quite welcoming do they sort of teach you a lot because it is 
a really like you're filming a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's this TV show, if you don't know, is on every night, every weeknight in New Zealand. Has been for over twenty. Is it twenty nine thir- years? Wow. Thirty years next year. That's yeah. wild. So yeah, it is a it's a top rating show. It has been for those many that many years. And you know, filming five days a week. Yeah. What is that like? It is crazy. It is all consuming. Shortland Street though is like a big family. It is a really really dynamic space with hugely intelligent and creative people it is actually one of I had no idea what I was going into I didn't know whether there was going to be heaps of ego around the actors I didn't know if the makeup people were going to be nice or the costume you know you don't know any of that you're kind of just thrown into it and I've got to say everyone was just so welcoming if you had any questions if you you know you you're also just throwing a whole bunch of scripts and then a whole lot of and they're all kind of numbered and you're just like I don't even know when to learn what lines for what day everyone is just so welcoming they all remember what it's like to be the new kid on the Mm. block and they really are so helpful so I was actually really blown away by that when I first walked in the door but um to work on Shortland Street is like working nowhere else in the world you do massive days you're surrounded by a really close-knit group of people from all the different departments and all those cogs have to function for this massive wheel to work Mm. basically yeah we were talking before we started recording you know you're in rehearsals a lot you have to learn new lines every single day I was like how hard is that but like you said it's you know you just get better and better at it totally like for example when I started um Bev and my husband would have to run lines with me every night and it only took a couple of weeks, a month maybe even, and I could learn all those lines by myself and then perform them. People ask me all the time, like, how do you learn that mm. many lines and how does your brain work like that? But your memory is a muscle, so the more you use it, the better you get at it. And to be honest, like, the things I rehearsed today, I noticed even within the rehearsal, after kind of reading them for the first time in there, which is a little bit naughty, I probably should have read them earlier. I knew You've those been lines there a while by now. the yeah. yeah. You're like I, I'm getting more confident. Yeah. Totally. Um but yeah, I knew those lines by the end of going over it three times. That's like right. that's how good you get at yeah. learning lines. And I think when you're playing a character for so long as well, rhythmically you learn things easier because you you just know how they would say it or you change your word here and there to make it more sound like you. So, mm. But it does mean every night going home and going over lines in bed before going to sleep or Sunday afternoons are often spent breaking down scripts, learning lines for the week ahead just to make sure you're all over everything. Mm. So, yeah, it really does consume your world. But yeah. I do love it. I love it so much. It's so cool. In New Zealand, I hope it's getting better, but I'm not sure if it does. But people find it quite hard to distinguish the characters from actual people. I remember back in the day when there was like Joey, the Ferndale Strangler, and people were real, like they just couldn't separate that he wasn't him. Totally. So do you get that when you're out and about? Because I mean, you are on TV five nights a week. People will recognize you in the street. Yeah. Do they think you're Dawn or can they separate it? I get a lot of, I'm um, like, hey, it's Dawn, or, you know, people calling you by the name Dawn. But I think we're in a really interesting phase where social media mm. actually means that people follow you because you are Dawn on Shortland Street. Right. But also they do get a glimpse into your real life. But um, I still remember when I first went on the show, people would start recognizing you in the street. And then obviously they'd start recognizing you on Instagram as well. And there was a picture of my husband and I. <laughs> people were commenting like 
what? This isn't Ali or this isn't the guy I was in love with on Shortland Street. And I was like, how can people not yeah, distinguish just, between the two? But yeah. yeah, you get a little bit of it. But I do think with social media, it does really distinguish yeah. you from the character just a little bit more. Do you ever get shocked or surprised by storylines? Because it's not something as an actor you have control over. Sometimes I'm like, okay, that's what we're doing. Um, recently, I had a storyline which was very heavily comedy based and we, we actually had a blast shooting it. Dawn <laughs> went viral for her very public review of a vibrator. <laughs> and um, then this whole storyline was sort of built around that and she became an influencer but I remember reading that that. and being like oh vibrators really like is that what we're doing but then you kind of think oh wow power to it and she probably would be doing absolutely I mean I own a vibrator so (laughs) why not Dawn probably does too yeah Yeah. totally yeah you know sometimes characters get killed off and imagine reading that as a as an actor you're like oh cool now we're just that's it like yeah that would be terrifying I would hope that and I'm pretty pretty certain they you know do give you the heads up yeah um, not just like okay cool next week you're you're gone yeah Yeah. totally must be interesting though when you do get to that point where you are reading your death scenes we hold these characters really close to our hearts so it's quite emotional when characters die or leave the show or anything like that yeah what is it like being on there like you say with actors like yeah michael galvin's and people like that and you're like whoa you know Michael is just one of the most loveliest, most humble humans in the whole entire world. And I Dr. just Chris Warner, him. if you're wondering, yeah. Honestly, I can't speak higher of the actors on Shortland Street. A lot of them are just super family orientated. They just go to work and do the work and mm. work their butts off and then go home to their families, you know, mm. just really super normal people. There's no one there with a huge ego that's out of control. We're all just there doing our thing and it's cool to hear yeah Yeah. it's really cool when you were younger you know you said you wanted to win an Oscar like did you ever think about doing the going to LA thing like you see a lot of Kiwi actors do I mean obviously right now you're in a really good situation here but has that was that something you looked at when you were younger at all or you know something you aspired to I think when I was younger maybe when I was I mean I'm I'm 28 now when I was around 21 I remember thinking like oh do you do this and do you go overseas and give it a go or, you know, what mm. What do you do here? But given I hadn't yet felt like I'd made it in New Zealand and it sort of made me like, well, I'd rather stay here and be in a smaller fish pond mm. and then sort of see what happened. But also I kind of got to a point in my life when I was probably around 25. It was not long before I got the role of Dawn actually where I was in a solid relationship with my now husband and I remember thinking, you know what, this whole acting thing could just be this pipe dream that never happens and I actually have to be okay with that, Mm. otherwise I will never be happy. And I can't pin all my happiness on this what-if job that I actually have no say in. I found this place which I had to work quite hard to get to, but I found this place where I was like, Actually, I love my job that I was in at the time. I met this wonderful man who obviously now my husband. And I remember thinking like, I just need to find happiness within this. And Mm. then if anything else were to come across after that, then it is what it is. But I just need to be happy with Mm. life because if this never happens, does that mean I'm never going to be happy? Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't want to be bitter or twisted or sad that something I had no control over just, yeah. just didn't happen. You're right. It is an industry where you have no control totally. over your employment, essentially. Yeah. 
Um, you can do the best you can, you know. You can do all the classes under yeah. the sun. You can put it all out there to the universe. Yeah. You could pray about it, like anything. But some things just don't come into fruition for you if they're not meant to be. So, How did you come to that place? Because I think it's something people will probably aspire to be able to feel like that because I feel like a lot of us in life have these dreams and, and yeah, we do really want to make them happen, of course, but you're right. You don't always have control over things. Uh-huh. So how did you get to that place, do you think? I do this thing and, again, it sounds like a wanky actor thing, but um, I sit in my rocking chair as a 90-year-old and I look back on my life and that kind of tells you what is actually mm. really important to you. And to be honest, getting married one day and having a solid relationship was really important to me. Being surrounded by family and friends meant that actually I don't want to go and be lonely in LA. Mm. I kind of want to stay here in New Zealand. I want to have a family one day. And it kind of meant that all these bigger picture things suddenly became far more important to me than a job. To be fair, that's all acting is. It's just another job. So there are other things that you find yourself passionate about as well that you can do. Like I make cakes as like a little hobby and that's a way of being creative and fulfilling that part of my cup. Um, I have an amazing relationship with my family, so that cup is filled. Mm. So it's like what are those key things that are more important than a job mm. and if you sit in your rocking chair as a 90-year-old, all those things become apparent really quickly. Yeah, it's a good way to think of it because I think you can spend a lot of time chasing a dream mm-hmm. and and not building a life at the same Forgetting time. Forgetting to live. Yeah, yeah, and not having good friendships because you're mm-hmm. always working or things, you know, yeah. or, or making time to date and meeting a person that maybe you want to spend your life with. Totally. And, yeah. if, and if that, I mean, that might not be important yeah. to everyone and that's totally fine too, but... I think if you think about it enough and make it clear enough for yourself what you actually want out of life, those are kind of the paths you go on. And it's funny because when I became happier within my own life, it's like these roles kind of started happening. And yeah, not just Dawn, other roles before that as well. I was like, I never in a hundred years thought I'd be on an American TV show and got cast in American Playboy, the Hugh Hefner television series. I think it was on Amazon or something. But I was like, what the heck? Like, never thought that would happen. And then a few months later, Dawn happened. And it was like, wow, once I settled and became happy, everything started falling into place. Yeah, I think it's once you let go a little bit, right? And stop having expectations on yourself and being hard on yourself because you Mm -hmm. know that you're doing all you can totally. so there's no point I think I go through patterns sometimes where you you know working in an inter- entertainment industry you do you sort of sometimes you can get a little bit frustrated or just like well, what's next or you know I really need to get there but then you just got to go well I'm doing everything I can totally. and things will happen and there's so yeah. much time you know yeah there's yeah. far more time than you think you've got as well mm. you know still to come on the show we find out more about Rebecca's acting career how she got through tough times and hung on to her dreams when the work was drying up. Self-care, but first, a message from this week's sponsor, Casey. A lot of us are after healthy, glowing skin, right? I've been going to Casey for a while now, and you can join me with a free consultation in August and try a skin conditioning treatment for $50, usually up to $120. Casey offers a range of skin conditioning treatments. There's microdermabrasion and advanced exfoliation and instant skin pick-me-up that leaves you glowing. I love this treatment. Sonifaris' skincare infusion that infuses antioxidants and vitamins deep within the skin, resulting in reduced redness, smoother skin, stimulates collagen and deeply hydrates. 
hydrodermabrasion, which deeply cleanses, exfoliates, and stimulates the skin through an active detox solution, and light therapy, which I have recently. It kickstarts your skin's regeneration process for a clear and fresh complexion with multiple benefits, including helping to target acne. The treatments are so relaxing and you even get a nice arm massage while you're under the LED light. Dreamy. Start your skin journey with a skin conditioning treatment for just $50 in August. You can book now at kc.co.nz. Plus, a treat for you self-love club listeners, KC have given us five $70 vouchers to give away so you can get your glow on. Check out my latest Val Crawford Instagram post and follow KC underscore NZ and at self-love club podcast to enter. Thanks so much to KC for making this episode of the self-love club possible. Tell us about the American roles. That's so cool. Oh, that was just one like role a, and it was yeah. just a small speaking part. I was actually, when I auditioned, I was really sick and had glandular fever. So I was like, oh, wow, I'll never get this. But I remember thinking like, oh, that audition went well. And then, um, yeah, just had a tiny wee role on that. And Did you have to go over? No, that was shot here in New Zealand, which was amazing. But just kind of pulling that American accent out of your back pocket and just such a buzz and a hype around it. And it was so cool getting to wear a authentic Playboy bunny outfit. Loved it. Loved the costuming. Oh, so exciting. Yeah, there's so many cool opportunities and I'm mm-hmm. sure plenty of things to come. What have been some of the biggest, I guess, challenges and things you've learned along the way? It does sound like you have had to grow up quite quickly and yeah. learn to, like you say, your mum said as well, you do have quite a thick skin. But what has been some of those challenges? Reminding yourself that you are enough as yourself because you're getting told no all the time so it's like what are the yeses in your life you know so I've always I guess to bring it back even to self-love I haven't always had a huge amount of that but I've had to find that within myself to be okay with myself as a person you know I think this industry is one of those industries that could make or break you because you could start picking yourself to pieces Mm. if you aren't getting roles yeah just believing that you are enough and I mean, that hasn't all just been through me. You know, friends and family and relationships have played a huge part into that as well. And Mm. you do. You have days where you don't love yourself. And I think something I'm still learning is that you have days where you don't feel amazing, like we all do as human beings, Mm. and you still have to be on camera those days, you know. So you still just have to remind yourself that you're loved and you're enough and you're doing what you love and I think Bevan my husband plays a lot into that always reminding me that he thinks I'm beautiful and intelligent and smart and funny and you know those things just build you back up as a person yeah yeah you're so right because if you were to put yourself in this environment which you do it can eat away at you your confidence so you do probably need to focus on that and and yeah building yourself up how you can it has to come from within otherwise I don't think you'd be able to be in that arena would you absolutely and Mm. doing doing things that do make you feel good about yourself and I think within the last probably five years that I have been dawned the gym has been a massive thing for Mm. me and that's not about getting thin or losing weight or anything like that it's the mental Mm. game feeling like I've achieved something every single day it's great for my mental health and I'm quite an active relaxer. So doing something intense like 
F45, for example, means my, I don't have time for my brain to wander. Yeah. So it actually kind of shuts off a lot of that noise. And then I walk out feeling incredible. I'm in the mornings, love exercising. Mm-hmm. And you just walk out feeling yeah. different. Like it's just really You're like, boom, ready oh. to do my day. And you feel, feel great. Yeah. You feel really alert. Your brain's yeah. on. You're just quick and you're yeah. just like, right, let's do this. And you. Just feel fresh. I love yeah. that feeling. I encourage anyone, if you can, just get so, up and do something. Yeah, It doesn't have to be intense. No. Like If you like meditating, if you like yoga, if you like just finding a quiet space for your coffee, something that makes you feel good first thing in the morning really sets you mm. up for a good day. What are some of your other go-to self-care practices? I know you like doing things like baking mm-hmm. and you know you are like you say enjoy being with your friends and your family yeah um cooking and baking is a huge thing for me also with the gym I think with the baking that's quite a creative outlet and I actually don't do as much of it as I used to but going home and cooking a meal I actually love it's just mm. that wine downtime obviously I'm a I'm a morning exerciser so that sets me up for my day but cooking a meal and then eating a meal with my husband actually like winds me mm. down I saw actually you went home the other day and you made some cookies or something yes. in the afternoon. Yeah, I'd had a massive day at work and it had actually been a really emotional day. There mm. were a lot of like tears and crying. And I think something we kind of forget is that although we know it's real, your body doesn't always know that yeah. that's not real. You have grieved or you have, you know, been upset or angry. Your body really feels that and so does your nervous system. And I walked in the door at 5 p.m. after this big day and I was like, I just want to bake cookies and so I did I I mean my my pantry is pretty stocked with baking things and yeah I found a recipe and just baked and that was again just a nice way to wind down and comforting yeah totally and and I think it's just like cooking or focusing I know what you mean it's just making that meal doing something your mind is thinking about that you're not thinking about other things and it's like a it actually puts your brain, I think, in a, like almost like a meditative state oh, because you're sure. focusing on that meal and that thing. Yeah. And I mean, I find baking and cooking cathartic anyway. Mm. So just doing something like that really made me feel a bit better. So yeah. by the time Bevan walked in, I'd kind of done my process and had a bit of time to myself. Done my baking. There were fresh cookies in the oven. <laughs> I was like, marry me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, you, already, you already have. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did it take so. you a while to work out the things? I think it's really quite you know common sense of things that we do for self-care and look after ourselves Mm -hmm. did it take you a while to work out what worked for you and I guess in the in the career space you're in as well yeah I mean I think I'm quite a self-aware sort of person and often can if my heart and my brain aren't connecting I I'm a big talker so I will talk about it and talk about it Mm. and talk about it until I can get my brain and my heart to connect Mm. with whatever I might be going through talking for one is actually a huge thing for me and debriefing with my husband and I mean that doesn't just mean about work either that could hmm. be to do with anything in life I'm always like he's the best girlfriend you could ever ask for because <laughs> he's so great at listening Aww, yeah. just just to give me time for my head and my heart to catch up honestly anything I love the ocean I grew up by the ocean beach walks anything to do with getting out of hmm. nature the whole fitness thing, the endorphins thing, because those have maybe always been kind of coping mechanisms mm. that I've had. I've just kind of carried those through. Have you found, I know that you've talked about having like a busy brain. Are you an, a bit of an overthinker sometimes? Such an overthinker, <laughs> yeah. It's quite funny. At night, Bevan can tell when my brain's working because I'm so restless and he'll be like, okay, time to stop your brain now. <laughs> like, I know, but I can't. Yeah, things 
dance around in there all the time, which is why I know meditating would be really good for me, but it's why I've never really given it a solid mm. go because I get 30 seconds in and I'm like, okay, I'm bored. Because I understand and I've been doing meditations for a few years now, mm-hmm. but the guided meditations yeah. are the ones for us overthinkers. There's literally so many free ones on YouTube and I found a really a lady with a really nice voice and she has Ooh, heaps of them. I've just sent it to you. Yeah, please do. So basically what you can do at nighttime is you can put it on for a little bit before you go to sleep or whatever. Yeah. All you have to do is listen and go to sleep. It's the easiest way to fit it into your day. I'm not really the person that gets up in the morning and meditates. I want to get up and exercise and I'm yeah. into the day. Yeah. Rather have more sleep. Same. <laughs> but, like, but at nighttime you can easily do that while you're in a sleep. And it, even if you fall asleep, that's great because it still goes into yeah, your subconscious. Totally. But a guided one, you're not doing anything. You're just listening and going to sleep. Yeah. Because I, I totally agree. The ones where they're like, do this and that. I'm, oh, I'm already thinking about another thing oh, by totally. now. I'm like, cows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you have to send it to me. Yeah, I, will. I would love to probably get better guided at Guided meditations are good and you don't have to do it for long. Like, yeah. Yeah, it really, really does help. How does overthinking play into life for you sometimes? I mean, again, I guess when you were auditioning and things, it could be quite tricky if you're like, oh, do they like me or this thing? Or maybe it's not even to do with acting. Maybe it's just to do in everyday life. Have you been a people pleaser? Does that play into the overthinking as well? Oh, my gosh, totally. Such a people pleaser for so many years. And I I think it's actually just part of growing up. Mm. Such a people pleaser for so long. And you do. You get yourself into such weird and wacky situations when you're just trying to please people Mm. all the time. I don't even really know how I got out. I think starting off by just saying no. Learning the word no is one of those things where you just have to grow up and start saying it. Mm. And again, something that, you know, you get yourself into weird situations and be like, oh, I really don't want to be doing that. And just being honest enough with yourself and then being like, okay, that's not filling my cup for whatever reason. So going back and being like, hey, actually, I can't do that for you. And just little steps. No, but I could do this or no, just no, you know. But I do, I just think, that part of the world is just part of growing up. We're not taught to say no, no. especially with females. We're being yeah. like, be the yes girl. Absolutely. And don't let anyone down and be there for this person mm. and do that and do this. And you just end up running yourself ragged. So, yeah, the word no. Please learn it and use it. Don't feel bad about mm. it. Just And you don't even have to say why. You can just be like, no, thank you. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. If, you know, just if they ask why, I'd be like, I just, I can't do that right now. No and sorry. God, I used to say sorry like a million times a day. And then I was like, what am I apologizing yeah. for? Like, if something doesn't fit right with you, you don't have to apologize. Mm. Just say, look, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. But I do think that's a big part of growing up and getting older and wiser is mm. you learn these things as you do develop. What have been some of the biggest or like toughest times? Have you had any really tough times in life? Oh, I think I've been really so, so privileged. Um, There's kind of nothing I really look back on and think like, oh, that was like a really super hard time in my life. Obviously I've had my trials and tribulations and a bit of illness and um, Bevan's had operations and you've got to like work and then go home and look after him you know anything like that but I do think as a whole I've been pretty bloody lucky and I think I'm such a positive person as well I do think your mindset and the way you look at things I look at everything as a learning opportunity I look at everything through what positives I can find I mean for example probably one of the 
hardest times when you do think about it was I used to work three different jobs pretty much seven days a week, Mm. all contracting, which allowed me to audition because I could drop one to go to an audition and then kind of pick up the other to make a full wage. And I was, again, very privileged, paying a mortgage at the time because I bought a little house. You know, people don't really understand what it means to do contract work because, yeah, seven days a week, you don't get holiday pay. Totally. You literally have to work. If you don't work, you don't get you money. Don't get any you can't money. pay your rent. You can't pay your mortgage. That's hard that's hard working and good on you, you know. So two yeah. out of those three jobs at one point dried up and there was no work. One of them was like, really sorry, we can't have you helping mm. us any longer. The other one dried up and I was left, I think I was making like three hundred dollars a week. Mm. And that was barely enough to cover anything. And I was kind of eating through my savings, figuring out what to do. And I still remember this one day, the one thing I kept for myself was my gym membership. And I remember crying and driving to the gym one day and going, I'm really blessed because I have a roof over my head. And I'm really blessed because there's food in the cupboard. And I'm really blessed because there's petrol in my car. And I'm really blessed because I even have a car. That again is that like, positive mindset Mm. instead of just dwelling on all these negative things I was taking my CV around any place that I thought might have a position available to kind of get myself back into solid work but also trying to just look at all the positives Mm. and being grateful for what I did have instead of being like all right this is it I'm over Back to Whangamata we go. Back to Whangamata we go you know (laughs) but that's also my stubbornness like it's hard to break me because I'm positive and stubborn at the same time good strength resilience resilient yeah (laughs) try to be yeah no but you're so right look at you go you're driving to the gym crying but focusing on the good because you're right when something's going wrong in your life I do the same and you can write down what you're grateful for all the things Mm -hmm. you do have and you realize you actually do have a lot more than you don't have you know totally and Mm. and even you know solid friendships and a family that loves you and all those little things they're so important when you are at those in those times where yeah. you're like, I got nothing and mm. I don't really know how I'm going to get myself out of this hole, but I'm going to do it. I think doing all the right things, you know, you're out yeah. there, you're giving your CV, you're, you're actively doing the right things. Did everything sort of come together and work out? Yeah, see, I wasn't too proud to tell everyone possible that I was looking for work. I just made it really known as super unemployed and <laughs> super unemployed. No, okay. it's like classic um, actors, right? Yeah, like. right. <laughs> and um, a friend of mine, actually, there was an opening at her work and it was kind of facilities. It was junior, it's kind of junior producing at a post-production house. Oh, wow. I went in and took my CV in and um, met with the lady who then became my boss and just took my CV in on a whim. I didn't hear anything for a couple of weeks. And then finally they were like, come in for an interview. Wow. And I was like, okay, this is great. Don't do this at home, kids. But I lied through my teeth in the interview <laughs> because I was so desperate. So this role, you, <laughs> it was like facilities assistant, but also in junior producing, but you also had to know how to make coffee because in post-production, <laughs> um, they spend a lot of yeah. time in studios and, you know, you needed to be able to like be good with people, make them a decent coffee, take their lunch order, do all that yeah. kind of thing. And I was like, I don't know how to make coffee. I've never worked in just a cafe. Just say you'll learn. Heard a lot of people who have done really well. You just say you can and then you find out how to do it. So the night before the interview, I Googled and YouTubed how to make coffee because I was like, 
this is it, I'm done. They're going to ask me to make a coffee and I'm not going to be able yeah, to do imagine it. imagine on the spot, they're like, make us a coffee. I went, th- yeah, that's what I was like. That was my worst nightmare. So I went in and I was like, yeah, absolutely. I can make coffee and I'd done all my background research. I'd never physically touched a coffee machine in my life, but I figured I knew You'd what I was doing. you YouTube videos. And um, yeah, I just kind of bluffed my way through the coffee making process I didn't actually have to make a coffee but I had to like talk to them about it they asked me if I could clean a coffee machine and I was like absolutely done it a million right. times Mental before. Note, gonna google that google that when you get home <laughs> yeah just um just went in really confident and thankfully I got the role and yeah. um from then on I worked my butt off to learn how to make coffee and I did you know you want something enough you figure it out I don't condone lying but sometimes you're desperate oh little things that's a little (laughs) white white it's not like lying and saying you you're a doctor when you're not you know totally don't do that yeah yeah yeah. I'm a nurse but I'm also not (laughs) yeah yeah some people say that things are quite legit on Shorten Street do you learn quite a Obviously, it's not actual medical knowledge, we yeah. must say that, but do you learn a few things and you, lingo and stuff? Yeah, you really do. So we have um, medical advisors on set with us and also downstairs advising the script writers. And they are real ED nurses who also work in the hospital and then Shortland Street's just like a part-time thing for them. So um, one of them in particular, shout out to Nurse Ellie. She's amazing. Um, you'll be like, Nurse Ellie, how do I, um, how do I say this word? Or like... Right, we're in ED and what can I be doing to look like I'm doing something legit on this patient? And she'll be like, oh, just take their blood pressure. And if you're using a stethoscope, like where to touch it on your chest. So you do kind of look legit, but... I do think that I could do legit CPR if um if you ever needed it, Belle. Yeah, well, that's good I'm to know. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think I could do anything else. A big part of the role would be, you know, people criticizing. And it sounds like, you know, you've gotten used to the whole audition process and, and being in that industry with, you know, your, I guess, producers and directors and things and script writers. But what about when it comes to the general public? I mean, with social media now... Mm-hmm old Karen out somewhere or another can say what she wants about how you look or what you're doing. What was that like in the beginning and and how do you deal with that? Don't read the comments. There's just no point. I mean, some actors might have a thick enough skin that they can and I know a couple that do, but just why would you? Mm. And I mean, I kind of leave Shortland Street at the door. I walk in and I do my job. I walk out and I live a very normal life. I go home and we don't watch Shortland Street because why would you watch your job? Um, but yeah, I don't watch the show. I don't yeah. read the comments. I I don't, I guess if someone came, to, came up to me and told me what they thought of me, I would care, but I kind of don't care. Mm. I'm like, to be honest, I'm doing the best job I can do and I love my work and that's enough for me. I kind of don't need anyone else's opinion and on that that's a whole nother part of my job that I just shouted myself from reading the comments whether they are positive or negative it adds nothing to your life so Mm -hmm. I just don't do it that's a good tip just don't read the comments yeah Yeah. I mean sometimes I think I forget to even read the comments on my own social (laughs) media like what I post I just yeah I just kind of bypass that Mm -hmm. because I I don't want to hear anything negative or positive yeah. or you know I've got my my people whose opinion as you say I do care about and that's enough for me yeah I think someone gave me a tip once they're like you know if they if you wouldn't go to them for advice and you mm-hmm. don't value their opinion then don't take their don't criticism take it on board because yeah. it's not someone that you would that you respect or yeah. you know you know absolutely yeah 
Do you get any nasty trolls or anything DMing you or anything like that? I've been really lucky that I think I've been quite a liked Your character's character. quite likeable, which so, helps, yeah. Yeah, that really helps. And I haven't done anything nasty mm. to kind of evoke that kind of emotion. So, I've yeah, I've That's got great. away pretty scot-free. Did guys, boys ever stress you out growing up? You know, the old heartbreak, which we all go through. We talk about that stuff a lot on the podcast. But uh-huh. was that ever a thing for you or have you been pretty solid and strong in yourself? I think because I was always so career-driven, I think I've always been pretty, like, strong mm. in myself. Kind of, like, dated, like, a few people but never really had, like, hugely mm. solid relationships. And I think that was just because I was so career-driven. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously... Evan came along and just completely <laughs> swept me off my feet. He's Aww. a darling. Yeah, he was kind of like one of the very few solid, long-standing yeah. relationships I'd had. That's good. Yeah, when you are quite career-focused, I guess, I don't know, I still manage to be able to focus what? on boys a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, um, I think that's really good advice, though, for someone. I remember my dad used to say when I was younger, he's like, you're too young to be getting into these situations. Just, you know, enjoy your life and yeah. have fun and and focus on what you want to do. And I think that's really good advice for anyone totally. listening. Yeah, We all think our time is like running out to do our careers and meet people and do all this. And I remember people saying to me when I was between 21 and 25, like, oh, you're so young. Don't even worry yeah. about that. And don't worry about this. And remember thinking, God, my time is running out. What are you guys talking about? But it's true. You get on the other side of that mm. and you almost hit 30 and you're like, man, I wish I chilled out a little bit because yeah. you actually have so much time. Yeah. And, you know, if you, I mean, COVID kind of put pay to the gap years, but, you know, if you want to take a gap year, one year in the scheme of things yeah. is absolutely nothing. And yet when you finished up school, if you were taking a gap year, it seemed like you were taking eternity off, you know, mm. you're really not. So if you need time to figure out what you want to do in life, good. Like, mm do life for a little bit and then figure out what you want to do because I still remember seeing so many kids from my school go and do meaningless degrees that they got halfway through and were like actually I'm not even passionate about Mm. that and either chuck the towel in or change completely and started again on something that they were passionate Mm. in and you have time for that in your yeah. 20s. Just enjoy it. Did you ever used to stress out, though, that like you say, I know what you mean. You sort of think, oh, I've got to do this and I, mm-hmm. I've got to get this. And I, if I don't do this now, time is running out. Totally. Did you ever used to struggle with that a bit? Yeah, a little bit. And especially um, traveling. Like I had all these massive career plans and goals. So I never took time off to go traveling when I was younger. And that's one regret I do have is that I was never like, you know what, let's go on a three-month holiday mm. and explore part of the world because I was always like, oh, but what if what if my dream role mm. came up and I missed an audition and then yeah. I didn't get that role? Like, that's how focused I was. Yeah, you sort I of... I wish I buttoned off a little bit. But then bit. in some ways you had to do that to get to, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. But, but I know what you mean. You sort of think, I need to be here in case this thing happens. And it's yeah. like, well, and then the thing doesn't happen. You're like, ah, I could have been... like, I could have been overseas. And yeah. I sort of, I always say, I'm like, oh, well, we'll travel when we're older. We've done the career thing because that was what was important at the time. And I don't really live with regrets. I'm kind of like, oh, well, that was the path I chose. So that's what I did. And this is where I am now. Onwards and upwards and look forward. Don't don't look back. There's just no point. You can't change it. So why we don't dwell on it? Exactly. That's such good advice. What is some advice you would share with your younger self, knowing what you know now and everything you've gone through and achieved and you know how life's turned out for you what would you tell younger Rebecca oh probably just love yourself just a bit more don't be so hard on yourself and I mean I can take that advice even 
to this day. Mm. I am so hard on myself. I'm such a perfectionist. I really do wish that when I was younger, I loved myself a bit more, had a bit more self-respect. Yeah, it just took a little bit of the pressure off. And I mean, again, in hindsight, you could say, well, would you be where you are today if you didn't have that discipline? But I sometimes wish that I just wasn't so hard on myself mm, like yeah. I don't I don't know any other way to say it but I was just almost too focused mm. too too intense to all the things could be a vice or it could be a virtue how have you learned to work on that because I think that's something a lot of us do we're very mm-hmm. we're our harshest critic right yeah. so how have you learned to do that I think I've just very slowly learned to love myself more and sort of loved my flaws for what they are as well. And I I mean, you don't have to be in a relationship to feel like you're loved. You should, mm. you know, you should be able to love yourself without that. But I do want to say like meeting Bevan and have someone really build me up and put me on a pedestal actually did a whole lot for my mm. self-confidence and sort of like making me love myself having someone that just loved me for who I was and what I looked like unconditionally and even on those days where I felt like crap told me I was beautiful that for me was I think a real pivotal turning point in my life where I started loving myself more mm. seeing how much someone could actually love me yeah you're and, right that is an important point like you do need to love yourself but isn't it awesome when someone treats you so well like you so deserve and it does help you yeah in turn you know yeah really really did and you know I I do I still have days where I'm like oh I just feel yuck I don't think I'm prettier I don't think Mm. I'm this I don't think I'm that and yeah those things aren't the be all or end all but if they do affect you it is really hard to like jump out that jump out Mm. of that hole so having someone constantly remind you that you're beautiful is like something that I'd never experienced especially again being so harsh on myself Mm. my I guess thoughts towards myself could turn negative so having someone reiterate the positive was just yeah this helped make you more self-positive towards yourself Yeah. yeah yeah and what is some advice you would like to share with those listening who want to do amazing things like you have and and live their dreams oh just follow your dreams don't let anyone tell you you can't because where there's a will there's a way and everything's a job these days Mm. if you're passionate about something and can monetize it it's a job Mm. you know I remember so many people saying to me oh acting's not a real job or like whatever you're never gonna make it doing that or you know you should get a real degree I'm like what is that? But the person who I've never forgotten was I worked at a surf school um, on the beach. And I remember just a random holiday maker. I told that after summer I was going to Auckland and to study acting and I was going to be an actor. I still remember him being like, good on you. He's like, you know what? That is a real job. Yeah. Because we all go home and we all turn on the TV to basically escapism so we don't have to talk to our husbands or wives. And he was like, yes, that's a real job. And I think that was the first time anyone really said to me, that was a complete stranger, like, Mm. yes, go for it. It is a job. So you can dream it. You can do it. And, I mean, if a little small-town girl from Whangamata can find herself on television five nights a week, whoever you are, whatever you're doing, you can achieve it. Mm. I can, you can. Chase that dream and – yeah, love yourself along the way. Yeah, that's such good advice. And you're so right. Like that guy said, uh, I think especially during COVID, I mean, how many series did we watch oh last gosh, year? I can't even remember. Right? So it is, you know, people, it's entertaining us. It's informing us. Yeah. It's escapism. It's, 
you know, I think there was a real importance and, and, and you know, light shone on entertainment yeah. and escapism and consuming content, which is like there's so many channels totally. and streaming platforms and avenues now. where yeah. you can be creative and, and make it work for you. <laughs> TikTok, oh, my God, how good. <laughs> it's fun, hey? Yeah, so fun. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for your time. I've so loved chatting with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, I hope everyone listening gets a little something out of listening to me today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Self Love Club podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We're an independent podcast and you can support us by subscribing on your go-to podcast app. Click follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star glowing review. Show us where you're listening. Maybe you're out for a pretty walk. Uh, Or screenshot and post on your Instagram story and tag us in it at Self Love Club podcast so we can see and share. Share with your friends, sisters, workmates, everyone delve into our backlog and enjoy listening. You can find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast. I'm Abel Crawford and we'll catch you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.